Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's, uh, it's good to be with you today. I'm super excited, uh, blessed today to be here with my better half, my uh, wife of going on 22 years. Yeah. 20, no. 23? 24 years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, this is starting well. <laughs> uh, my wife, Diana. Diana, good to have you. Uh, it's good to be here. I'm uh, excited and, and uh, uh, pleased to be with you. We, you know, we... We have not had spouses on at this point up until um, you. You will be the first institute or seminary spouse that wow. I've interviewed. I, I'm, are you in dire straits? Yeah. Or <laughs> no. Like the um, bottom of the barrel. You know, it's interesting, and we've we've talked about it a lot on the podcast that um, one of the one of the things we've been tasked with as institute and seminary teachers is to help our students have experiences like we have in pre preparing for what we do in our classroom. And, and it kind of hit me that uh, maybe since so much of what I think and so much of what I uh, know comes from conversation with you, that maybe it would be good to have you on the podcast with Share me. Share some thoughts. <laughs> so welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, do you want to say something about you? I, um, I mean, people know me a little bit, but... What do you want to say? Uh, about myself. Or us or our family or whatever. Well, we've been married for almost 24 years. 24. It's the year that's coming that we're right, married to. Right, I don't know why I we said We were married in December 1999, right before Y2K. Yep. And uh, nothing happened after no. Y2K, but mm -mm. that was kind of a big deal. Uh, we have six kids. Our oldest is 21. Our youngest is nine, going on 10. Yep. And I have stayed at home for... 21 years, right? Yeah, once we had our first, huh? Yeah. Um, we met on, well, on your mission. Yeah, there's <laughs> a whole story there. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> but yeah, rather rare occurrence, yeah. but um, wrote letters while I was at school in Utah. My mom actually, I would say, Connected set us, us. up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Got your address while I was away and told me I should write you. Yes, so we did, and 20, almost 24 years later, here we are. Here we are. In a podcast. Yep. It gives me old 80s vibes. Yeah. Yeah, I used to make my own little radio stations with my <laughs> tape players. <laughs> but I was way more comfortable then. Yeah, well, we're glad you're here. <laughs> you uh, you are fantastic. And for those that, uh, that don't know you, you'll... Um, hear here today why I have any insights into mm. anything. Because, you should give them low expectations okay. so then they're pleasantly surprised. <laughs> this might be horrible, yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it'll be great. So uh, with that said, let's uh, let's jump in. Today we are going to cover Matthew chapter 26, Mark chapter 14, John chapter 13. We're getting close to the end of the Savior's life here. Mm -hmm. um, and we're in the last week of his, um, of his time in Jerusalem in particular. So, start us. Where do you okay. want us to go? <laughs> well, some of this I feel like 
got touched on a little bit uh, during the Easter week in Come Follow Me. Right, right. Uh, so it, it was nice to visit it again. Um, but basically in this block, we cover the Last Supper where the Savior institutes the sacrament, um, Gethsemane, and the betrayal, arrest, and trial of Jesus. And nothing I have to say I feel like will be groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> you shared that <laughs> just before. some thoughts. <laughs> you know, one of the things I think is, is really cool about just what, what this is, is our intent here is not to be groundbreaking, not to mm -hmm. share new things, not to define words in Hebrew in a way that like makes more sense and stuff. That happens sometimes and and I think it's it's good to point those things out. But really to to focus uh, our conversation just on on what young people need, what's relevant in scriptures that are ancient to modern day issues and challenges and, and you're so good at that that I'm I'm excited to see what you found. Okay. So take us in. <laughs> well one thing I like to do um, I was an English major in college, and I would find myself thinking a lot about the authors and just the real people. And because sure. humanity is the same, or you know, the fact that scriptures from thousands of years ago apply to us today is because we're human, and the natural man is in all of us, as, as is the spirit of Christ. And so I try to look at it from a realistic, how to you know, what was going on in this and. It starts off, um, the first thing that really stood out to me was about Mary mm. and how she anointed the Savior's head and feet uh, with, is it spike, spikenard? Spikenard, yeah. Spikenard. Precious, precious oil at the time. Very, very valuable. Um, it was in an alabaster. I read that a flask is mm -hmm. more appropriate, not necessarily a box, but the more appropriate mm. Um, mm. translation but that she poured it on his head and his feet. And um, I'm in Talmudge, which I'm trying to get through Jesus the Christ. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's um, a read. Yeah, but uh, he talks about how, you know, to anoint the head of someone is to give, it, it shows honor. Mm. Um, but, and then the feet, uh, that also shows um, a high reverence and re like a reverence and unusual regard mm. for someone and so for her to uh well she did it enough that some of the disciples said that she was being wasteful yeah she poured it in abundance um that that was to show extreme reverential homage that was rarely rendered to kings mm. and that was talmage and so i found that very interesting as well as you know we have uh people complaining after she's done that like she should have given this to, we should have sold this and we could have used it for the yeah. poor, and which is not a wrong desire. Right. Right. Um, but what stood out to me is I feel like Mary knew. Mm -hmm. She understood or she, I don't know if she fully understood or knew that the Savior was going to die in mm -hmm. the next few days, but I feel like either she was prompted but she was close enough to the Spirit to know, to know that this was um, the appropriate thing to do yeah. for our Savior. Uh, when you look at the oil and, and what the Savior himself says, that she's doing this, she's preparing him for his burial. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and really the beginning of chapter 26 um, talks about the betrayal and the crucifixion, right? Verse 1 and 2, yes. it came to pass and Jesus had finished all these sayings. He said unto his disciples, you know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, 
and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Like he's foretelling his right. own crucifixion, and it, you know, as as Mary's there in in the in the room, sometime later, he's now at Simon P, Simon the leper's home. Um, she probably would have been privy to that same kind of right. instruction that that, that was going to happen, and looking forward to that. And so this anointing really would have been something that, in preparation for an event, she probably had faith in, maybe more so than the apostles who didn't right. quite grasp what was being said. Yeah, I feel like the apostles kind of constantly, there's this like conflicting behavior of where yeah. they believe in, in him and his ability, I mean, in who he was, and so they, they couldn't even comprehend that he could die. But yeah. then at the same time, we're cutting off ears to right, keep yeah. him safe and, yeah. and all these things. And so, and not fully understanding his words where he's, I feel like, pretty clear. Yeah. Well, yeah, even the argument that, he, that they're making here, we could have given this, this yeah. stuff to the poor. His response, well, first off, um, in verse 8 it says, but when disciples saw it, this anointing, they had indignation saying, what purpose is this waste? Mm -hmm. Like, um, I mean, even if you know who the Savior is and you yeah. and you get who He's supposed to be, but you don't fully understand w that you would call any anointing of the Savior wasteful right. is, uh, first off, a little mind-boggling. But but then to realize this was probably Judas yeah, that said this. Yeah, I think this. he was credited as being yeah. the more vocal. I mean, others were kind of going, "Hey, hold on," you yeah. know, but he was the more vocal. Yeah, and he, and he was he was maybe even assigned with the task to oversee the funds mm -hmm. uh, of the the discipleship there, and so so probably would have been if there's a concern about money and what we're doing with the funds, then yeah, Judas would have been the person to speak about it. Well, and um, he's it's he's described as being a, a thief and a hypocrite mm -hmm. to where oh this should be for the poor when re right. in reality being the holder of the purse perhaps right. it was more. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, and, and and you know the the argument that we we could do more with this than what you're doing with it. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't know. I, maybe there's something there for us, right? That that we look at. Sometimes we look at the brethren and the leaders of the church, the sisters that lead us in the church, and and we think, why are they doing that? Why why aren't we doing it this way? This right. this would be better. Or even within our own wards, our own local units, right? We see a way being done, and we we imagine that probably if they understood X, Y, and Z, then they would do it this way. Yeah. And we get way ahead of the the leadership of the church, and yeah. in this case, Christ Himself, right? Well, and in line with that thinking, but on a different angle, I feel like Mary knew and was in the right spirit of things, knew Christ, knew who He was, and. And I would even venture to say knew what was coming mm. in a sense and, and was prompted to d do what she did. Um, I feel like those leaders who know are, are following the handbook, are, are yeah. using that scaffolding, and then their actions are what the Savior would sure. have them do. And well, and maybe there's something here to touch on, too, that, that Mary, being a woman, would have dealt with Christ's crucifixion differently than the men. They would have seen it as, uh, in this case, the disciples, at least, maybe probably Judas, um, is seeing this contribution being given to one person when to, cognitively he's thinking, well, we could break this up over a whole bunch of other poor people. And this right. would be, but, but the woman in this case sees, no, the right thing to do is spend more 
on this one individual. And the men in the room were maybe missing the the point, right? The maybe insight. missing that that insight that that because of the way they saw stuff. Right. And what also stands out to me as we talk about this is I think when we talk about the what's coming, it's it's coming very quickly and and I the apostles maybe not quite fully knowing the whole picture, which in no way am I, mm-hmm. you know, discrediting who they were. I mean, yeah. they're learning just as we're learning. But I think of my own life now where the Savior is coming again. Yeah. And it sounds like it's coming pretty soon, mm-hmm. you know, when you read with the prophets and... The last the days of the latter days. The last days, yeah, those comments. And, and I think sometimes we get caught up in even just the logistics of things and not... Christ, yeah, and if we are looking to do the right thing with Christ, and and to seek that inspiration, then I think we will be guided in that right thing. I, I, it says um, I wrote down a note to myself that what Mary did, it not only just showed that reverence and the preparation, but it showed how precious that the Savior is to her, mm-hmm. and it. Um, she did that to express her love and her reverence for her Savior. And it made me just think about, like, and she offered this, right? Where, like, where did she get it? Right. That was yeah. my question, is how did she get this? And, and I thought, well, she possibly could have saved, um, you know, great sacrifice for herself to, to get this precious oil, to get this, yeah. this alabaster box. Um, it could have been something that was a family heirloom that had been in their family for who knows how long. In either case, this was a sacrifice for her, I feel like. And she offered that to the Savior, and it just made me think about how do I show my love for the Savior? What am I offering to the Lord? And what does that offering show or reveal about my love and devotion to Him? Yeah, is it really a sacrifice to do what you do? Right. You know, the the time that you do offer, is it really... (laughs) We talk about this every once in a while, that, that... you know, sometimes we see, and we ourselves participate in the easiest way to serve in the church. Right? right. The easiest way to do that is have a meeting right after a meeting, so that I can get it done and be done with it. Right. Or, or only do the things that I'm asked to do to be a minister on Sunday afternoon when I have a lot right. of time to do it and nothing else going on. Right? Is that is that offering good? Right. right. Um, but is that offering really a sacrifice? Is there, yeah. if I if I'm already supposed to be sacrificing my of my time and giving to the Lord that day, and then I don't take any other time throughout the week, mm-hmm. it, is it really a sacrifice to me? Did it cost what this spikenard cost right. for Mary here? Well, and that leads to then Judas's behavior, yeah. where um, again, human and not all bad, he was. An apostle, but something happened. We learn in Mark fourteen eleven. It, it says that he sought how he might conveniently betray the Savior, mm-hmm. and we learn when you read in Mark fourteen ten a the footnote that he was offended by the words of the Savior. Mm-hmm. So it's just really interesting mm-hmm. to me to contrast Mary with Judas. Here we have someone offering and seeking out how she can honor her Savior. Yeah. And here's one who also spent time with but was offended. 
and now he's seeking to betray the Savior. He Well, but before you go on, I, I want you to go on. But it's interesting because if we define Judas as the disciple, which it does a little clearer in other spaces right. in Scripture and modern-day Revelation as well, but so if that's true, then it, it translates exactly through verses 6 through 13 maybe you're talking about this uh, anointing with Mary, and then literally the next verse is... Judas having this issue, right? right. Where, exactly. where Christ has just said, uh, you always have the poor with you, but you're not going to have me for very long. So he gets after Judas. He right. gets after him in being the person that is is calling for this. Uh, she, she, And then he, Christ himself says, for in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial, right? She's, he's continuing to say, I'm right. going to die. Right. And trying to teach and slow them down in the way they're thinking and immediately after this, Judas is right. offended and goes and tries to find some way to, to, to get him right. And to say he maybe hadn't been offended before? I feel like yeah. things happen in degrees more often than it's this instant reverse sure. turnaround. Sure. And so, who you know, I, I kind of imagine there was some things that, you know, you struggle with yourself. The, the gospel requires sacrifice. It requires yeah. us to lose our lives. And I think that involves our habits and... You know, we're like, oh, this is just how I am, but hmm. the the gospel of Jesus Christ asks us to become like Him, and yeah. so we have to let go of those yeah. things, and that can be really painful, and it's hard. Pride is a big thing. So, and I, again, th this is just thoughts yeah, that I, really I, I that. apply to myself. I don't know Judas. <laughs> and it, yeah, and it comes on slowly over the long period of time before you're really making a a change to the, right. to step away, like Judas is stepping away. Here. Well, yeah, and to go from being and a, a disciple, a follower of Christ, to now seeking how you can betray him. Take him down. Right. Well, and it maybe it maybe lends to a question that came up last semester in one of my classes. I had a young woman raise her hand, and she said, Brother Swenson, help me understand why Judas is condemned so much for something that had to be done. Somebody needed to come to earth and betray the Savior. Somebody needed to get him to where the, the, the government of the day could take him. And, um, and, and it, do you think there will ever be a time where Judas is given some, um, uh, I don't know, where, where he's looked at differently by God and saying, mm -hmm. somebody had to do this, it's okay, Judas, don't worry so much. But, but in answering that question and in studying the answer to that question, it became interesting to, to think, what more could God have done to help Judas not become Judas mm -hmm. than to literally put him right next to the Savior right. his, for three years of his life, at least three right. years of his life, right? I mean, how many of us get that chance where, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to get past some of your struggles, let's have Christ live with you for three years. Right. And, and it's a, maybe a little different. Um, you know, the spirit wasn't fully functional then. They were going off their experiences face-to-face -face with Christ. Because he's there, the spirit doesn't have to come and confirm. Yeah. So for sure, I'm not, I'm not judging Judas's uh, outcome in the end, no. right? And, and maybe there is something there that, well, that God will like give Well, and like anyone him, but, else, we don't know all the cards. We don't. Right. Judas had, a, again, that reality that the realness of things, the humanity, there was a life lived yeah. and experienced and... And hurts that he yeah. had, and and hoping probably, and again maybe this speaks to just the what we don't know about him. Probably thinking, Christ is this ruler that's going to take over. He's going to step mm -hmm. in and overthrow the government. That's yeah, what's been prophesied. Many of. were looking for. Yeah. Maybe at the time Rome is occupying Jerusalem, they are yeah. looking to be, you know, 
freed from this. Exactly. And, 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 and earlier this week in, the, in, in, in this time, the, the Jewish people brought him into town with palm fronds and with their clothes on the ground and riding in on a, on a royal animal and recognizing him as royalty. And so maybe Judas is standing there this night going, let's just do this. Pushing let's just bring happen. it. Let, let me yeah. get the guys. They'll come down. And, right. and how quickly, well, we're going to see in a, in a week or two, how quickly he recognizes he messed up. Right. And, and you know, it isn't very long before Judas kills himself for well, and it's, the things yeah, that it's he's a done very, It's a tragic story of a tragic life, I think. And yeah. uh, your comment about your student bringing that up, I, I don't know that I feel like it had to have happened Right. Someone had to betray Christ. I mean, he even identifies when they're all there to get him. He's like, I taught amongst you every day. Yeah. You know, why are you coming by night to, like, capture right. me? Like, like I, you could have yeah, just... Yeah. What, what stands out to me is is it's a choice. And Mary and, and Judas both made a choice. Mary chose yeah. to reverence and offer uh, such adoration and sacrifice for her yeah. Savior. Right. And she learned about him too. Yeah, that's interesting. To know who he was and know what was coming. And Judas, for whatever reason, um, he was offended. And it says in the scriptures, he sought how he could betray. Mm -hmm. There was a choice there. Yeah. For he went looking for, for the way, right? Yeah. And it's also telling in the moment at the time. You know, he goes to the chief priests and. He, he brings it up. Okay, what, what will you give me if I, mm -hmm. if I deliver him up to you? Can we, can, can we read that? Is yeah. this in, in Matthew 26? It yeah. says, Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priests mm -hmm. and said unto him, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time saw, they saw, sorry, he from, saw, he saw yeah. opportunity to betray him. Uh, there, there's a number of things to talk about maybe in that little section there. but The 30 pieces of silver stands out to me. Uh, according to the law of Moses, that is um, the amount that you would compensate the owner of a slave for the yeah. loss of their slave. Yeah. And again, that just shows the contrast between Mary and Judas that how much... Did he, he he and the chief priest had such little value for the savior that they you know you, you don't value a slave unfortunately at that whole right. <laughs> organization of things yeah. but you know that that is the lowest of of humanity and uh, that you can put someone in um, to take their freedom and anyway to regard the the savior at that and that you know I I think about that and in connection to my thoughts of what am I offering to the Lord when I think of Mary and her sacrifice and showing love and um, expressing that on the other side of it I think well what are things that I am valuing more than Christ mm. based on my actions mm -hmm. and this connects I think to the whole concept of works and, and I'm not saying that you know we know that it is by grace we are saved sure. after all we can do sure. but my my dad always taught me that love is a verb. You could say whatever you want, but your actions are really showing yeah. your true heart. And I and I fully believe that in with our Savior. Um, it's a little bit complicated because we are weak, and we'll get into that a little bit more mm -hmm. too. But that really we by our actions kind of show what we value, and it makes me think. Okay, well, what are some things that by my actions I'm showing that I I value more than Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a sobering thought. It 
makes you kind of go, oh. Yeah, it, it maybe speaks to what we were talking about before, about how much time do we give, right? Right. The comparing Mary and the, and the offering she was offering mm -hmm. to how much, how, how little am I willing to give up Christ right. for? And how right. much of the worldly things do I put on value? Like, yeah. Is there, is there a show that I'm like, oh man, I should yeah. not be watching this show. You know, but it, it, it's interesting. I, I, I just make little justifications. Yeah, right? it's interesting. One of the one of my favorite things to do in class with students, and and it's it's kind of a gotcha moment with with us class, especially of high school students. But to, to make a list of the things that they do in a day. You know, you wake up, let's say you get up yeah. at 5. And they're like, we don't get up at 5. And I'm like, oh, let's pretend. You get up at 5 <laughs> because you need more time in your day. Yeah. So you get up at 5 and you go through your day. And we hour by hour, we identify what things they're doing. There's this big block where they're in school. There's athletics or there's band or whatever they do. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and I say, okay, so where in here is time for family? And there's always an hour somewhere that they, you know, eat dinner or whatever. Right. Um, and then I say, okay, well, where did you pray? Because you didn't put that on your list. And they're like, oh, that's up here. And we, it's down here. And I'm, you know, so we find three or four places where they're doing the things that they, they think they should be doing and know they should be doing. And then we go, after doing that, we identify the percentage of their day spent doing something by way of connecting to the Savior or connecting themselves to God or, or becoming more, right? And, and that always is just a ridiculously low percentage of their day. And it is for you and me too, right? I mean, right. even if we studied for an hour, compare that to all the other hours of the day that we do, um, and, and it, it's pretty small. But but when you're talking about a three-minute prayer, which to be honest, as a teenager, a three-minute prayer is a long right. prayer, right? Um, but when you're comparing um, the percentage of time that we give to the Lord versus the percentage of time that we give to the things that are we, we value and are important in our lives, um, it's always small. And yet, if I ask that same group of students, what are the most important things in your life? They will always say family. They will always say my relationship to God and the church, my relationship and understanding of the gospel, study. They will always put those things first. Right. But if we actually look at the time spent doing those things, that's always the least amount of time. Right. Now, I say that, and I don't necessarily think God expects the most important things to be given the most amount of time while right. we're on earth living a mortal life, right? But does he expect more than the bare minimum of time that we're giving? And, and similar to what Judas has done here, how much do I sell my, my Christianity to... Uh, the world for what? What do I give him up for? What do right. I? What do I give up my right. my gospel development for? I give it up for three and a half hours on my cell phone. Mm -hmm. Is that is that really that? Is it worth that much to me? I mean, it, is my gospel relationship to Christ, my understanding of the gospel, my relationship to the Father, all those things, isn't it worth more than three and a half hours on my cell phone today? Right. And and the the thirty pieces of silver that. That Judas sold the Savior for really is that was it that worth it, worth it yeah. for you to get thirty pieces? Well, I don't know. And it can feel a little overwhelming when we think I have to live my life. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got like I've got my kids and sure. I can't just do yeah. you know <laughs> right. what feels like spiritual things. But it was kind of uh, life changing for me when I I was at a sacred meeting visiting uh, family and this sister got up and was giving her talk and just mentioned that she realized that the things that she was doing as, as a mother and, and in, her, in her home were important things, even the daily, you know, mundane doing mm -hmm. things. But what made them not feel mundane is she realized I could consecrate 
what I was doing to the Lord. Mm. Even if it was her laundry for the day and caring for her family, that by consecrating that and saying, these are good things that I'm doing, and I'm doing it for my home, for my family, which sure. is, you know, showing... Yeah. Um, her, her understanding the of the plan and her place right. in it, right? Yeah. Right. And so I feel like we can kind of think that way. I, when I realized that, I thought, okay, and so even though I might not be sitting down reading my scriptures at that moment, what I'm doing, as long as my mind has is turned to the Savior, right? Look unto to mm. Him in every thought, and mm. He'll show us all things, and I, I know that that applies to all the things. Yeah, I love that you said that. I, I think about you and, and other women like you who literally have consecrated your life to being home with your children um, at, at the expense of uh, other things you could do, uh, other things you're capable of and, uh, and are very articulate and very intelligent and all the things you could have contributed to our community if you were outside of our home and doing those things. And I'm not uh, saying anyth anything about anyone who works outside of their home. Just, just the idea, though, that whatever it is you're choosing to do, mm -hmm. um, whether it's valued by our world or not, right. ought to be uh, uh, sacrificed. It ought to be a sacrifice uh, that you contribute to, this, to your becoming more like the Savior. Right to your becoming and understanding the plan of salvation bigger and better, rather than just saying, I'm going to go to work to bring in X dollars of right. so, to help my family. I'm going to go to work so that these things in my family can be developed. Uh, right. uh, you know, a husband that goes and does that for that reason, I think has a different um, perspective than a husband who goes to work or a wife who goes to work saying, I'm going to bring in X dollars so that we can have right. as opposed to so that we can develop these Christ-like right. attributes, right? Well, and, and even, I mean, women have such a power that they are given and even women who may not be married and not have, you know, children and, and there is such a power of influence in work and in careers that mm -hmm. I think, like you're saying, if, if we get caught up with what the world defines yeah. as success, but we will be, it's that paradox of, you know, we lose our life, we turn it over to the Lord, and He makes it so much greater. Right. And it maybe look different than if we just go about it yeah. on our own yeah, instincts. Right. But, yeah. yeah, no, I really love that. I, I, think, there's, I think there's a lot of uh, cultural sensitivities mm -hmm. to have in that conversation. Uh, all of our circumstances are different, and we, we would never want to judge those that are making different choices than us for lots of different reasons um, in our individual home. But, but again, I love that idea that I can consecrate my work, even yeah. if it's not working for the church, Everything which that you're doing, you know, yeah. to to the building up of the kingdom, right? right. To, to showing how I, this is helping me develop. I think President Nelson's a perfect example of that, as a heart surgeon to have taken his whole entire career and taken the principles of learning that he academically took to become and understand how to become more like God. Yeah. The principles of, he's, he tells stories all the time about, I knew that there were principles that kept the heart going and there were principles that stopped the heart. And I just needed to learn what it was that started right. the heart, right? And, and the, those eternal principles that he really used beyond just the, the academic necessity of his career. Yeah. Um, it gained him a capacity to understand God, to understand his role and who he is to become ultimately because he viewed his career the way he viewed right. his career. And because of the humility by put, looking to Christ and having that be the goal, that being, okay, this is, this yeah. is the foundation. It makes me think of Nephi who 
I remember this thought came to me when I was reading, again, the story of Nephi and how he was building a boat. And in the scriptures, he's, you know, he's, seen, he's seen an angel, him mm -hmm. and his brothers, they were visited by an angel. And so maybe that set for me to think, oh, an angel came and showed him how to build a boat. Because Nephi says, and the Lord showed me how to build a boat, right? Yeah. And I automatically, I assumed, okay, he was shown, right? Mm. And I realized the, the kind of the English major me like to take apart the, the context and the, the text is it didn't say that he was had a vision or that mm -hmm. and I thought to myself interesting I wonder if Nephi was given ideas mm -hmm. he was he was skilled he had experience yeah. in, in different things we know he worked in steel and so Nephi clearly was a craftsman already but who's to say he didn't just have these ideas like yeah. elder like President Nelson was describing I knew this and this that he had ideas but he gave credit to where it came from yeah. he gave credit to the Lord he was shown how to do it by right. God because his life that the, the Christ was the center of his life, that even things that someone could be like, look at what I did, mm -hmm. I'm awesome, mm -hmm. I'm so good at what I do. He gave credit to Christ, because anything that we do well is because of Christ. Yeah, and isn't that an interesting concept too, as I think about the young people I work with every day, that, that they're in school learning mm -hmm. academic knowledge, gaining and, and obtaining new skills and new, I mean, every day that's what they're doing. Um, or they're in new careers where they're, they're developing new skill sets, right? And there is so much work that an individual person goes into obtaining a degree or to obtaining new skills in a career that I think it's really hard to give credit to God right. for the, not the new knowledge that you have. But wouldn't that be the right way to go to identify that these that, that even the, the place that you've been given to learn those things is a blessing from God? Right. That the knowledge that we have that that teacher or that professor is expounding on is knowledge given to us by God that men before them, women before them have earned and obtained from God. Mm -hmm. And so I am now a recipient of something that is God-given right. and I can thank God for, the, for right. the blessings of my knowledge, right? It really is because of God, even if I learned it from a professor, right? right? And, and I think it, it requires a little bit of thinking, a little bit of shift in our thought, but it doesn't require a lot. It doesn't. Right. It's not hard to identify how God was actually the resource that gave me this right. thing, whatever and that the thing is. Everything we are is because of God. Yeah. The very breath we have every morning. And yeah, and it reminds me. Just to go, jump it back in here. It, it reminds me of the very last line that that I read in verse sixteen. From that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Mm. Judas did. Right. What if we What if we change the word betray to credit God? And from that time, he sought opportunity to credit him, right? Would, wouldn't that change? Yeah. Rather than sell him, and how do I catch him? And, yeah. and and isn't that so much the way so many that are walking away from the church are spending their time just trying to find ways to knock right. it down a peg? Um, but instead but, of just going on your way and being like, right. I'm done. But yeah. but what for those of us that stay, that are still followers of the Savior, that are that are helping to build the kingdom? What if we took the opposite approach to what Judas did, who went and sought opportunity to betray him, mm -hmm. and we found opportunity to credit him, to credit him. for what he had given Yeah, it done. opens your eyes to the blessings of the day when you, when you partner with him yeah. in all the things. And, and all the things. It could be, I mean, I, I started playing the cello again just starting this year. I did it in high school and middle school and never had private lessons, but just did that. And it's my favorite instrument. And I just decided, you know what, I want to do that again. And 
And you play it beautifully. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're very nice. I but I will <laughs> say it, there's something about it that intimidates me a lot. And no matter how small, we can take it to the Lord. And I, I've taken me learning to play the cello better to the Lord. And I have found things that I understand more because to me it's such a different thing. And so I feel like my understanding me opened and I know it's not myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm choosing to recognize that is an answer to my prayer. And I, yeah. when you do that, you start to see more answers to your prayer and just how involved. Yeah, and by the, by the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can learn the truth of all things, right? Yes, all things. Power of the Spirit, even playing the cello or mechanical engineering. Or what engineering you need to put on your raspberries to make right. them actually exactly. live. Exactly, so they grow. Be fruitful, yeah. <laughs> well, I love it. Let's keep going. We yeah. got we got Judas uh, betraying the Savior. Yeah, and where are we going next? Well, what's I love about the different Gospels is the different perspectives, and and the more we learn, and, and about that same instance, just a real quick phrase that just I think wraps up to um, is in Mark uh, fourteen verse eight. It says, "She hath done what she could." In speaking mm -hmm. of Mary, mm -hmm. she hath done what she could, and I thought, oh, I wonder if she felt that it wasn't. Enough. enough right but we should do what we can do and know that our savior sees it as precious and <clears throat> he talks about how that will be seen as a memorial for her she mm. just has done she has done what she could pretty cool. um but that all ties in really well to the next uh, se little section they just come bam bam right after yeah. each other um when the savior says again he's he knows all the things he says someone's going to betray me and in, mm. uh, back in Matthew chapter 26, um, <clears throat> he's talking to the disciples, and, and they were exceedingly sorrowful and began every one of them to say, Lord, is it I? Mm -hmm. That is such a powerful principle of looking inward, not looking at other people and saying, oh, they're doing this, but to look at yourself and to say, is, what do I need to, to do? Mm. Is this me? Is this something I need to change? Well, and I might just point out, in, in verse uh, 21 says, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Yeah. Every one of them. Um, you know, Elder, Elder Uchtdorf uh, has spoken about this kind of at length, saying, um, we need to we, we need to not just assume it's the guy next to us and oh it's probably right. Peter because Peter's right. always complaint right it's it's not that that just not the way we should be we should be more apostolic maybe in how we do it like this but it's interesting here that Judas is present still yes when he's when it when this is told and even Judas was there saying is it me like I I know I know, I'm going to get him caught here. Yeah. So that he can take over, but but I'm not going to betray him. That, that that's that's not what I, I'm not. Yeah, you don't. I'm going to complain about my priesthood leader, but I'm not going to leave the church, right? right. And, and yet, in in doing the first thing that he had planned to do, he ultimately did the second thing that he had never intended to do. Yeah. Right. And and I wonder maybe if there's if there's an opportunity for us to be more careful about the things we do that don't seem so bad. Right. Because of where they lead, because of how they just open the door to the rest of the, the problems well, that we don't want. And in those situations where maybe you have been wronged, like legitimately something happened that was wrong to you, to be able to turn to, to our Savior yeah. with that and who understands all things and is our advocate, 
to me, that is the source to go where you will receive understanding and also the strength to, despite that, put it aside and then be able to see yeah. what can I do? What do I need to do? Is there something I need to do differently? And that's that's power. It's yeah. that paradox again. Yeah. It's the gospel's full paradox where it seems weak or maybe you're not taking a stand for yourself, but I've found that when I turn to the Savior and I'm, I take to Him my burdens and I say, okay, help me, what, what's the next step? What do I do? I am led to see those things that I can control, which I can. You can change yourself, right? Yeah. We can't change other people, right? Um, and that's that's power. Yeah, that's powerful. You maintain that power on your own. It's agency, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it just again, I, I just think there's something really important in these verses. If we keep reading this section through verse 25, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I may be inferred that Judas wasn't there, but it's very evident he is in there. Yeah. Uh, by the time we get to verse 25. It's almost like I can envision them sitting around the Last Supper and Jesus saying, someone will betray me, one of you shall betray me, and one by one they go around the table saying, yeah. is it I? Every one of them, right? It says, every one of them, they go around the table and, and, and five verses before, Judas has already done this thing. He's looking for opportunities to betray him, right? He's already accepted yeah. the 30 pieces of silver. So Judas is now sitting at the Last Supper with them and uh, by the verse, by verse twenty-five, then Judas, which betrayed him, like past tense, betrayed him, answered and said, "Master, is it I?" Almost like, do you do you know what I did? Yeah. Uh, do you, are, are you aware of what I've already done? You know, some of the other uh, descriptions of this experience uh, maybe paint this a little differently. Like Judas left as soon mm -hmm. as he was offended. Um, and that maybe he wasn't there during this. But this is so clear. I have, I have a hard time. Well, yeah, and in you know. John it, chapter 13, it talks about the Savior gives a sign for almost all of them. And I, I, this is one where I try to picture how this would happen, where he's like, he it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And so there's this almost like, yeah. and the, you know, people go into that with scholars about what that meant. And, and again, that's a yeah. sign of friendship. And, um, but... That happened, and it says in verse 27, And after the sop, Satan entered into him, then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Right. Like, yeah, he says he in Matthew 26, too, right? He says, um, it Master, is it I? And Christ, he said unto him, Thou hast said. Yeah. A little bit like uh, when Pilate is asking him, yeah. Art thou the king of the Jews then? And right. Christ is like, You said it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Yeah, you, this is, yeah. yes, this is you. And, uh, yeah, it's very and, and maybe there's something there for me too that, and I say for me because I think it's probably only for me that that sometimes I think I'm hiding my sinfulness to to the Father and to the Savior, and I I think well they they're, they're going to be forgiving because they don't even really know about it because I haven't really said anything mm -hmm. to them about it, right? It's a little like Adam if and you Eve. You don't acknowledge it. Yeah. It's like, okay, it's it, not acknowledged. It's, a, it's it. Keith, right? Our our son, our yeah. our oldest boy. When Keith was little, and we'd get mad at him, he would just close his eyes, and we were gone. There was yeah. no. Well, and even <laughs> as a baby, if you just were like, oh no, you know, kind of got stern, like if he was going to touch something, you shouldn't. He would just close his eyes. Yep, and, and the problem went away. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a little like Adam and Eve putting leaves on to it's hide cover. their nakedness from yeah. God, right? And 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 maybe that is what's going on. Is is Judas is is just yeah. being seen through here, right? But but it stands out, and and this connects later. But it, you know, the Savior is very aware. Um, he knows all things, and yeah. he's very much in control, very yeah. much. Um, 
but to kind of move forward a little bit, this connects, uh, interesting to me, a contrast again, where here's the, <laughs> the disciples saying, is it I, you know, looking inward and really like, and that's a pretty big uh, thing to say, is someone's going to betray me, that's a big thing. Yeah. And for them to be like, oh, is it going to be me, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but then you contrast that later with Peter um, in Mark 14, 29 through 31, and John 36, um, well, John chapter 13, verses 36 and 38, um, how the Savior's, you know, saying people will be offended because of me, and, and Peter's like, I will never be offended. And yeah. it talks about how the Savior's like, yeah, this is going to happen. And he, Peter is even more vehemently like, no, I'm mm. not, I would never do that. And not he me. says, well, when the, cro the, the rooster crows three times, you will have denied me. Mm -hmm. How many times? Three? Three. Three. Which, uh, funny story, we actually accidentally had a rooster. We have chickens. Yep. And you don't know they're roosters until they start crowing. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say I learned a lot about that one, that roosters will crow at like 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. They don't wait till it's morning. <laughs> and it's not a long time between each crow. No. So within three, you know, three cock, cock crows, <laughs> it's, yeah. that's pretty quick. Pretty quick. Um, and so, anyway, that whole scenario with Peter, I, you know, he's there, he's waiting to see what happens, and this just applies, I feel, to me in thinking about, we need to be careful to not think that we are above the temptation of something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To say, I would never do that. Oh, that's so, I would never do something like that. Yeah. I think um, we, we just need to be careful in and recognize, I've taught our kids, and especially as they get older, you need to respect the power of the temptation. Mm -hmm. And and that's why you need to be careful and uh, protect yourself. And, you know, for the strength of youth gives these things to help keep you in a place where yeah. you're just, you're safeguarded and you're protected. And mm -hmm. and also just, we're human. Yeah. And, and I'm sure Peter in that moment was, uh, for his own reasons, you know, but to not have connected things get intense and so it just I don't know I don't again I don't know the full story but it applies to me in thinking about how 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 much better for me to prepare and not think oh I'm above that I don't need to worry about that but to prepare and to prepare myself so that when the temptation arises I'm not flustered I'm not taken yeah you've of, got you know, a plan right there's yeah. a plan and there's well, that strength uh, yeah and I love that I think I think it's I think as much as it is sad that that um, the disciples betrayed him in many different ways, from mm -hmm. Judas to Peter to... He even says in verse 31, Then Jesus saith unto them, they're now at the Mount of Olives, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. Yeah. Everybody is going to screw this up. Every My relationship to all of you notwithstanding, you're going to mess up. Yeah. And and my experience tonight is going to be something that you have to accept as something that I did for you. Which that, that's that's interesting. That applies I think now where I think all of us might be we were triggered or mm -hmm. offended by something in the gospel. Yeah. I know I have been. Yeah. There's things that have come up that like I'm like, "Oh, and I'm offended." Most often because it's something I'm doing wrong. Because you're guilty of it. Yeah, and, right? and you know the wicked take the truth to be hard. Yeah, and I was just going like, to say that. I was just going to say that. It's interesting. That phrase is an interesting phrase because um, it's not it, the the chapter heading in the in the Book of Mormon where it's, where we're talking about that that verse comes right. up. 
the chapter heading says the wicked taketh the truth to be hard, but in the verses that Nephi wrote, it's the guilty, the speaking guilty. of his brothers, right? right? That's why. Not because you're a wicked person, right. but because you're, you're guilty, guilty of something, of right? And we're going to be guilty of stuff exactly. because we're human and we And it's offensive. Yeah, it's yeah. offensive to me that, and that's why President Nelson, I think, has talked about the joyfulness of, of right. repentance. Because I shouldn't look at it like, this is so offensive that I have to go repent yeah. of something that I did wrong. Yeah. You did the thing wrong. Like, why is this offending you, right? But because we attribute it to I am bad, Shame and, yeah. yeah, which are not things that God wants us to feel, um, we, we will all be offended because of the commands and the instructions that he has given us. Yeah. I am. We are all offended when I feel like I have to go repent of some bad thing yeah. I did and I screwed up again and it gets worse and worse the longer or I do the thing. something we feel strong right? about that we feel confident in our yeah, thought I, process. And, yeah, yeah. I, think that's a, I think that's such an important component that we all, as much as we want to point the finger at Judas and say, look what he did. Well, and or, all the disciples who fled, yeah, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> or Peter or the three guys who were sleeping outside right. of the gate, right? That I would never. Well, yeah. We probably all would have right. fallen asleep that night. Well, and in his mind, the, to betray the or to be offended of the Savior probably looked a certain way, yeah. and that's why perhaps maybe he was caught off guard in that moment, and in a moment that was probably very high in emotion mm -hmm. of what's happening, what's going on, and. Um, but that's the other thing is we need to not. I tell myself to not. I'm intelligent, but I don't know all the things, and to not just rely on my own knowledge. And and one thing I really always desire is truth and to me the savior is the source of truth and and the teachings and the scriptures and of our apostles and prophets and and so for me i take my own knowledge and i'm like this is valuable but at the end of the day i need to compare it to what truth what what does god say is truth yeah. and um then i have it we, we're trying to think how god thinks right and mm. And he sees things very differently. He defines good and yeah. love very differently than I think we do. Yeah, he really does. I, I might just put out there into the ethos out there that that there is a, <clears throat> a wonderful talk by uh, a, a President Uchtdorf when he was President Uchtdorf um, about the six blind men of Indostan. Mm. With the elephant? Yeah, with the elephant. <laughs> Who all feel a different part of an elephant and and think they know what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. One's a snake and one feels like a, a you know, just all these different right. things that they think it, they're feeling. And it really is uh, only with someone that can see that they can help you understand right. what it is you're actually looking at. And so whether it's in a ward or in a, a stake or in, in a church in general, without the added vision that comes with uh, the, the assignment to lead a larger group. Mm -hmm. We will be given a, a limited scope, a limited perspective, our perspective as right as it might be, that what I'm feeling right now feels like a snake. Mm -hmm. It's really the elephant's trunk, right? right? It, it really isn't what I think it is because I don't have the whole scope. And right. isn't it wonderful that God's given the whole scope to somebody right. on earth, at least one person, if not 15, right. um, that they can see it in a way that helps us uh, set our set our perspectives down a little bit and be willing to say okay yeah. maybe I don't maybe I don't know everything well and he's given us touch marks for finding truth like the scriptures yeah. and the words of the prophet and apostles and and personal revelation you use that all together and we can yeah. be personally guided but it has to match up you know if I feel like I've gotten revelation for something I need to measure it up against well, what yeah. is what does the prophet say what do the apostles yeah. say what do the scriptures say and yeah it's 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 exciting. It feels a little overwhelming, but when you 
when I've tried it and needed an answer and I've done it, it's exciting. It's exciting to to yeah. know that God does give me revelation. I, yeah, I can set it down and I can actually get more knowledge than right. I had before because I was willing to look at somebody right. else's knowledge. And I can trust, I can, there are things I can do to say, okay, how do I figure out if this is just me or if this is the Spirit? And sure. there's things to do that way. Yeah, yeah and I love that. Yeah. I, I might point out, you know, they're at the, they're at the garden here. They're having, um, um, the, Christ is about to go in and have his hmm. atoning experience. And, um, the apostles that were left outside, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, um, are are left outside. And it's interesting that they're told to stay awake, right? Watch with me, stay awake. Yeah. The night that this is happening, that was something they were supposed to do anyway. They were supposed to stay up all night and watch for the son, the, the Savior to come. That is part of this Passover, this Passover supper that ah. they were supposed to be having was an all-night event. Hmm. And so the invitation to stay awake and watch with me, that, that, that phrase changes a little bit. Yeah. When that's what their task was anyway, was to stay awake tonight and watch for the Savior. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that too, and I was like, huh, watch what was, to watch for what? To keep a lookout? Yeah. To watch him? In, in, but, the, yeah. in the assignment of the, the, the week's events, that Passover week, um, the task that night was to stay awake and watch for the coming of the Son of Man. And they're literally with him, not able to stay awake mm -hmm. and not able to watch. Maybe just telling of, of how we are. You know, we, we do our best and we, we, just, we just fail at the, at the specifics so regularly that, that the yeah. Savior still worked through it. it, it it's interesting to me, and, and maybe this is just anecdotal, but I, I think about how there was a moment in the atoning experience in the garden where Christ was suffering for the, the weakness that was happening right outside the garden right then. Yeah. Right? That these guys are sleeping and they should have been awake. They were missing. Right. They were missing an opportunity. They were not obeying a command that God had given to begin with. And so there was some consequence for what was happening right then and Christ was suffering in the garden at that very moment. Well, and it's interesting you bring that up because I was taken to the Joseph Smith translation of those verses, Mark 14, yeah. 36 and 38. And this to me even com compounds that even more where it says, and they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, which was a garden. And the disciples began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy mm. and to complain in their hearts, wondering if this be the Messiah. And Jesus, knowing their hearts, said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. Huh. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and rebuked them and said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And this kind of breaks my heart a little bit that our Savior is going to do this huge thing for all of us, for these disciples personally, each of us. And they are complaining in their hearts at that moment right before wondering if he is the, the Messiah. Mm -hmm. They're complaining. And, and why? Is it, does it not look how they expected it to look? Are they disappointed because in their minds their expectations are not being met? Yeah. I, I don't know, but I think about here is an example of such grace and humility. And for me to ever be offended and upset by somebody else or just different petty things that happens or even you know bigger things he is the ultimate example of someone who even in the very moment of excruciating suffering and selflessness and sacrifice was being complained against yeah 
and yet he still did what he did. Uh, such an example of humility that it makes me think of, you know, the counsel to Joseph, art thou greater than he? Yeah. And it just puts things in a different perspective. Man, I really love that. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, um, I just love a phrase in here, and I've learned so much from this because of a mentor in my life. Um, uh, those that listen to the podcast regularly have heard uh, our institute director, Brother Jim Edwards, uh, on here. Beginning of every semester, I have him on. And, and um, years ago, I asked him if he would be a formal mentor in my life to help me learn uh, what I've coined Christ-like love and leadership. Because if you know Jim, you just know he's, he's as Christ-like in the way he treats people as, as I think anybody can be. Um, except for maybe the Savior, and he is just a wonderful leader in a lot of ways as well. And so I've asked him if he'd help me with those things. And early in my uh, seminary and institute career, I had this girl in a class of mine who just was mean, and she did not like me, and I did not know why. She didn't. She wasn't mean to anybody in the class, but she just hated me. And I don't, I don't know what I, what it was that I did, but she would come into class, sit in the back row, the very back corner chair, and she would just glare at me, put her headphones in, and then head down. And there was something I had done, or something she just, and maybe it was her experience in seminary prior. She just didn't have a good experience or whatever, and. I remember one of the very first things I had Jim do was help me with her. And I wrote him a an email and I said, Brother Edwards, I need help. I don't even like this girl, let alone love her. And I have no idea how to help. And uh, he responded just quickly with, what would you like for her? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I want her to look like Sally, the girl sitting next to her who raises her hand every time I have a question, is in her scriptures, and she's on her phone looking to write things up, and she's not got headphones in the whole time. And, and his beautiful and very simple response to me was reread the Savior's uh, conversation with the Father in the garden and consider what God's will for her is versus what your will for her is. You want her to look like Sally. What does God want her to do today? Mm. And it changed how I looked at uh, really all my students, but in particular this, this young girl that I came in the next day after Jim had given me that counsel and, and I, just, I just stood there and thought, what does he want her to look like? What does he want for her today? And it came clear as day, he just wants her to have her scriptures on her desk, that's it. And I was so afraid of this girl, there was no way I was gonna ask her to go get her own scriptures. So I went to the back, I got her scriptures out of the cubby hole and I stuck them on her desk and I like beelined it to the front of the room, <laughs> didn't look at her, and just set them down and walked, right, left. You could put like a Snickers bar. I should have too, like, something. Hey. Yeah, right. No, that wasn't me. I was just <laughs> scriptures on the desk. That's what God wants done, and it was there. And uh, and I remember for a couple of weeks that was just all I got. I just got the scriptures need to be on her desk. And then I came in one day thinking I'm going to get her scriptures out, and her scriptures aren't there. She's gotten her own scriptures out and put them. Now this girl was not doing anything other than allowing her scriptures to be on the desk right. for a few weeks, and then one day they showed up on her desk without me having to put them there. But if all I was doing was helping her do progress to whatever level God wanted her to be at that mm -hmm. day, that was enough. I didn't have to get her like Sally. My, my will was that she was the best seminary student in the room. God's will was she was willing to let scriptures sit near her or yeah. she would get her own scriptures. By the end of that semester, that really translated into not miracles, but one of the very last days of the semester, we ended up talking about something, and we were out of the scriptures in a conversation as a class. 
And I remember I was sitting at the front of the room on the desk. I was just sitting on a desk. We were just having a conversation. And an earphone came out of her ear. And she sat there and she just listened to the conversation for a while. Hmm. And then she raised her hand and took the conversation to a completely different section, uh, conversation point. And I remember thinking, oh, she's hearing what we're talking about. Hmm. And, and for, for the little tiny things that we'd done, I'd done and helped her progress in all semester long, got her to a point where she could raise her hand and ask a question about something she was thinking about. I love that. That's, that's like how the Savior is. He comes to where we are at. Yeah. He goes to where I am at and helps me take that ne next step. I've, I've become very aware of just how patient our Heavenly Father and our Savior are. I mean, and they see our full potential, right, and how patient they are to just yeah. let us take that willing step that we're willing to do, right? And yeah. that's the one thing we can give them is our agency, our choice, our will, and they're very, very patient with us. Yeah, it's beautiful. There, there really are uh, so many things we could talk about here today. Mm. I, I'm, uh, I'm really grateful that you came and to, mm. to do this with me. It's kind of fun to have my wife here. Yeah. Um, I, I know that there's. I mean, Lots. we're we're in in verse 39 of Matthew yeah. 26, and <laughs> and there's 75 verses in this cha in this chapter. So, so we might leave it kind of here. Um, is there anything else that you feel like uh, has to be discussed in here that you uh, were excited about um, first? Is there anything before um, we just we just jump out? Yeah, just the last thing, and even briefly, just people will, I'm sure, read it for themselves, um, is what stood out to me in this whole scripture block is that Jesus... Um, that our Savior was in charge the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, he told Judas to do what he was going to do. He knew what he was going to do. He yeah. knew what Peter was going to do. Um, even, and then when he's captured and, and questioned, he was silent until he chose when to speak. And it, interestingly enough, you know, the, they were bringing false witnesses, trying to get, you know, so they're not even true. They're trying mm -hmm. to get some sort of testimony that will make it so they can condemn him, but it wasn't working because they weren't agreeing with each other. each other. So no court of law, right. they couldn't stand, right? But it was his own words that condemned himself. Yeah. He chose. He chose he to did. say Yeah, he said, and yeah. And that concept, to me, ties in with a lot of things. It ties in with how I can trust in him wholeheartedly and in my Heavenly Father that they are in control, they know, they have the whole perspective and the things that I don't understand, I can trust that they do. And one thing I do know um, is that they love me. And there are things about that that I struggle to comprehend, that the amount of children born on this planet. <laughs> when I think of the big picture, sometimes I find myself going, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't even comprehend that. Uh, but what I can't deny is that I have experienced in very powerful ways their love for me, where yeah. there's no denying it. Yeah. And God knows I know it. And I know he knows, yeah. <laughs> knows it. Yeah. And, and I know it. And so I know that I can trust in them, that they, that not only because they love me, but because they know all the things. Um, and that there is strength in them, that uh, the phrase that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, yeah. the Savior says in this um, scripture block. And I think Peter was willing, right? Mm -hmm. He wanted to defend and fight for the Savior, and but the flesh is weak. And 
I'm sure those wanted to stay awake yeah. and watch for him. Yeah. He came out three times, mm -hmm. and I that also struck me and kind of broke my heart a little bit. Like, what was he coming back? Right. Was he coming back to check on them, to right. catch them? or? I don't think so. I think he was seeking comfort and yeah. support, and he was alone. And another example of how he can uh, empathize with us, yeah. he knows all the things. And that he is the strength, the youth theme this year is, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me in Philippians 4.13. And I didn't know that was going to be the theme this year, but I ended and be last year and began this year saying, I need truth. I need inspiration and I need the strength to act on it. Mm -hmm. And started out pretty hard. There's been years of buildup that I realized have kind of wore me down to where just the aftermath of some things that I felt pretty weak and defeated and and overwhelmed. And I just said, I need truth and I need the strength to act on that truth. And so I started studying strength. Where What are the sources of strength? And, and it's Christ yeah. and it's our covenants that we make in the temple and it's scriptures and it's prayer and it's those basic things that that wraps up to me that what we should take away and and kind of cover in this block today is and what I took away is that um, my spirit is willing but I'm very weak mm -hmm. but he is my strength and I can trust in that I love that I, I also would say that because of mercy, we are okay. We're going to yeah. be okay, right? Like I think about Peter saying, denying three times, having been having been warned, you're going to do this three right. times, and <laughs> and like the every part of him would have been like, okay, if the first denial, he'd have been like, oh, no, right? right? Second, oh, but but maybe he didn't even catch it until the third right, one, the and then end. it like light bulb well, moment, yeah, right? Well, yeah, the scriptures that says the rooster crowed, and, and he remembered. Then he realized the words and, came back. And but what I think is so wonderful and so beautiful is the Savior knew beforehand what I was going to come and screw up. Mm -hmm. He knows already what you're going to do wrong tomorrow, mm -hmm. but what he's also prepared for us is what he does first with Peter when he sees him next. The next time he sees him after he's resurrected, he goes up to Peter and he says, do you love me? Mm -hmm. And Peter says, yes. How many times? He does it three times. He gives him an opportunity, because he, he denied him three times, to fix it, yeah. to say, yes, I love you. You know I love you. What, what a wonderful... Um, pattern that is in our lives, that, right. that we're going to mess up, but he's prepared a way perfectly for us to make it okay right. and, to let, and, to, and to have those mess ups, those, those things that keep us down, not be so heavy and not need to feel badly about them. It was the plan that you well, would come and mess up. And some things I find very discouraging lately for myself is I know what to do. I yeah. know what I need to do. Right. I know it, right? And, and Peter knew. He knew the Savior told him what would happen. Yeah. Did he not believe that necessarily because he yeah. thought he was above that? Right. Maybe, but, <laughs> but how often do we, we know, you know, we know what we're supposed to do and we know the right thing, but we just... We don't, weak. right? Yeah. yeah. And and then I, I'm hard on myself and I feel shame or I yeah. feel like, oh, I'm never. And I've realized it's a choice. It's a choice to tap into that strength that is there waiting. Mm -hmm. And I just need to make the choice and do it. And and I would just hope that at the end of everything, when I'm gone from this world and, and it's my time to be 
you know, judged and here's here's what she did that it can be said of me that that she hath done what she could. Mm -hmm. And that I trusted and knew that my savior would make up the difference. And I do what I can because I love him that he yeah. mattered more to me than these worldly things that hold me back. Well, for what it's worth, I think I know you better than anybody else on earth. <laughs> and if I get an opportunity to be in the back of the courtroom that day, I will courtroom. say she did everything she could do. Thank you. Because I think ah. you do. I Not think all you the do. Time. <laughs> That's very good. I, 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 I love this. I love, I love you. I love being with you. This is, this, for those of you that are out there, when we get to sit and study together, this is our conversation. This is how we are. This is how I am with all of my colleagues. Um, I'm not different when I sit in, in a classroom. I'm not different when I sit at home and talk with my children or my wife. And we don't do this all the time, though. No, no, don't get don't, do don't get this. us wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but we do. Uh, one of the things, and I know I say this a lot on the on that podcast, is we just want so badly for those of you listening to have an experience like we get to have in our homes, in our classrooms, in our offices as seminary and institute teachers, not that that's the only place that it can happen. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I was talking with uh, Janet Erickson um, today, and she and her husband are going to be on the podcast. I've already recorded it. It's fantastic. Fun. And it's in September. And her husband is wonderful, not an SNI employee. Um, and Janet Erickson is our uh, uh, is one of the support specialists we have at the Institute. And she and her husband just blew it out of the water. And I was talking with her today about how sometimes we see apostles or we see uh, stick presidents or bishops or even seminary and institute teachers as unique creatures who get to do this thing for a living. And it's what mm -hmm. they, you know, they live it and they breathe it. And I just think it's not true. I think there are so many people out there who, given a little glimpse at how, how this could look, what it could be like, do it. They just pick yeah. it up and they run with it. Janet and R.B. Erickson are that family. They That's have fun. taught their family that just every inch of what I'm sure President Nelson's home was like. Um, and it's just so cool to see faithful families who are looking around at models around them and seeing mm -hmm. how can we improve, what can we do? Well, and I would hope people would trust that you know, scripture study and, and reading these blocks that you can find things that your thoughts are valid and interesting. I love, you know, when people will share their thought in class and, and it gives me this new perspective. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. It connects the gospel in a way they were, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. And, or even if I had thought of that before to have it be reminded, it's just powerful. And I mean, we were in this block too, just little things too, that you kind of dismiss like the guy who it describes he's wearing this linen cloth and then he runs off naked. Yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I feel like that's, but when we dived into it a little bit deeper, it was very, it was like kind of profound a little bit yeah. where, so, oh, check that out. Yeah, so go look, go <laughs> no, look it we'll up, go that. study. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting and, and, and we're, we're at the end of our, our time here, but, but I wanna just take a moment um, because I have my wife with me and, and talk with the young people that are listening about something that uh, I think is really important in your development and your uh, progression towards being married. Um, you know, uh, my wife and I, we talked a little bit at the beginning about our very unique uh, meeting while I was on my mission and my wife was definitely not on her mission. <laughs> and, um, and we had a very unique opportunity to get to know each other in a, in a different way than typical uh, people and and it letters it, yeah through <laughs> letters right and it it lends 
itself to the conversation that just recently Elder Oaks and his wife had with the young people about dating um, and how, you know, I was on my mission. Uh, Diana's mom uh, said, hey, this missionary is a great missionary, and I was teaching some neighbors in their home. And, she got his address, yep. and I was in school in Utah. And yeah, her, her brother was going on a mission. Write, yeah. And they kind of over, they kind of, adopted us as you know if we help the missionaries in town here then then someone will take care of my son in right. venezuela which i don't know that that's how it works but <laughs> that's what she thought and comforted and uh and so i spent a lot of time uh, at that home i had a companion who would serve a service mission today would not have served a proselyting mission uh, in our day today anyway for a lot of different reasons i just end up at uh, her her parents home a lot and teaching neighbors in her home and and uh, we, uh, Diana wrote me a just short note one day thanking me for filling in for a brother at her house. And, mm -hmm. and I wrote her back. And very quickly, we were writing back and forth. And my mission yeah. president was very aware. I was and in another state. She was in a different state. All kinds of <laughs> we things were sure. okay. But the reason I bring this up is what, what we've been able to do here today as a husband and a wife sitting and talking about scriptures. And, and again, this is not a daily occurrence for no. us. Um, but it, it ought to be something that you're capable of doing with someone that you're courting, someone yeah. that you're, you're dating. And, and, and we would hope, I would hope especially, that like we got to do in our, in our experience writing letters back and forth, that you find out how someone thinks about the gospel in maybe more intimate ways than just I attended church with them right. and I sat next to them. Yeah, that, have gospel conversations. Yeah, that it's you very... that you study together. That you, yeah. you know, those types of things I think are really important to see how you banter back and forth about really important yeah. things. Yeah, it was very. I made sure I was very clear with Brother Swenson of <laughs> how I wanted to be as a woman and as a yeah. uh, my goals that way and as a mother and wife and. And again, you you know you don't know all the things, but but being open yeah. to know the desires of the heart and to to take the time to make sure that you see that the actions again back to that yeah. action that those actions back up those desires. Right, yeah. not perfectly. Right, it no. takes a no, lifetime but, to to get better yeah. at it. But but at any rate, I I just loved what Elder Oaks uh, and his wife talked about about dating and uh, that they went back to that old face to face that he had done years and years ago, and talked about hanging out and we shouldn't just be hanging out and all the things that he said are just right on my heart as I watch young people in in the institute and and seeing them interact with each other and not really date very mm -hmm. often. Um, I just want them to have a, a deeper, mean, more meaningful experience with the people that. Uh, that they're with and they're around and and so this was a tender experience for me today to be able to sit with my very good wife mm -hmm. and have her uh, help me do what I get to do every day for my occupation so thank you Diana for being with us thanks for having me I'm not sure if I was a filler for a slot that no no ended up not happening but you were planned <laughs> you were planned um, I always ask this question and I've gotten it, it's become a little more direct as I as I go, uh, and, and we'll maybe just end with this. We're a little long tonight, but I, I'm okay with it. I think it's been a good oh, conversation. You can edit out some things. <laughs> I won't. I'll leave it just like it is. Um, <clears throat> what would you, if you could force, take the agency away from all the young people and, and oh. the youth of the, of the okay. church, and you could force knowledge on them. Okay. That's what we do. Um, what would you want them to know? What would you, if you could, if they could walk away from listening to this and it would just be burned into them, something that you think, something that you feel, what would you want them to know? Um, 
that they can 100% trust in our Savior and in His words and to try to do those things that He has asked us to do. Lose your life and you will find it. Um, I've, I've said to my kids, if there's one thing that you remember from me, what I tried to teach is that you change yourself to fit God's plan. Don't change God's plan to fit you. Yeah. It can be painful, but trust in the Savior and you will be made so much more yeah. if we do that. We become like Christ by becoming more like yeah. Him, not more like us. And it's hard. It's it's yeah. hard to, to take things that we feel strongly about or to take our own thoughts, but I've done it. There's been things that have been pretty painful to let go, but I'm so grateful that I did and, and trust it because it became way more than I could have anticipated. Thank you. I love you. Love you too. Okay. We'll see ya. Okay. Bye.